0: You know what, I heard it's, a, it's an old adage and I heard this say, said that normally whatever you're looking for you'll find. If you're looking for the negative, you're going to find it. It's there. In fact, the truth is you spend 30 seconds with me, you'll find something you don't like about me and put it right back at you. There are no perfect people. But it's a matter of what we're looking for. I've used this story before, but it perfectly illustrates it. You remember me telling about uh, um, the counselor who was sitting with a husband and wife. And uh, um, the wife just, he said, what's wrong with him? And she just tore him a new one, man. I mean, she just ate him up. He looked at the man and said, what's wrong with her? And boy, it was worse than what he had heard from the wife. And so finally he said, To the man, he said, is there something you like about her? And he said, yeah, she's good to my mother. And so they put that on a list, and they worked out nine other things that he liked about his wife. And he told the guy, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want, for the next two weeks, I want you to have this list over the dash in your car when you start home. Just lay it on the dash. And as you're navigating traffic all the way home, Just thank God for those ten things. Just pray and thank God for those ten things. If nothing else, just those ten things you like about your wife. Now, you and I are smart enough to know that all the marriage was not healed in two weeks. But this is what the man told him when he called the counselor back. He said, I'm seeing my wife in a whole new attitude now. You see, the eyes of our head, our physical eyes, as well as our spiritual eyes, are very powerful. Because where we look and what we see depends on how we uh, uh, interact and respond to this world. I was reminded of this um, in a lot of in a lot of ways. You know, I our, had our, our, my sister and brother-in-law. Well, you need to know that when Bill comes from South Carolina to see his brother-in-law Jerry, we have one thing on the mind: golf. We went out to Mountain View on Friday. I already told you about yesterday, and we had a family to visit this morning from our um, golfing outing yesterday. And by the way, Gary, great prospective family. Um, But on Friday, we were up at Mountain View and we played golf. And uh, um, we played eight holes and, and pulled up and joined another twosome. And the guy that was on the tee base looked familiar. And I want to tell you folks... It was a pastor whom I would pastored with in the same association, Brother Terry, down in South Mississippi. Hadn't seen him in 10 years. He's left the pastorate. He's now teaching. And, you know, the truth is, is that how we see each other depends on how we interact, how we respond to each other. For us, it was really good. I want to ask the question that you see on the screen tonight. Where are you looking? Optimist, pessimist. When something comes into your life, Are you an optimist about it, or are you automatically looking on the negative side? You're automatically mulling, grubbing, or complaining. Now, we're going to look at a very familiar story. Why don't you go ahead and turn there. Numbers chapter 21. This is a very, very, very familiar story. Quite frankly, uh, I don't know why, except just a while ago, somebody said something to me, and I said, it may have been Jason, said something to me, and I said, this message might be for you because I hadn't figured out why God wanted me to come back to this, because, Brother Terry, back in 1984, my pastor asked me to preach. And this is the first message that I preached. Now, all I'm going to tell you is the points are the same. None of the rest of it is, okay? But I, I think it's a message that we need to hear. Where are you looking? Because where you look in life controls... Are you listening? Controls how you respond in life. It controls so much about what we do. Let's stand together and read this, and then I, we'll just run around it a little bit, and we'll be going home. We we'll begin in verse 4. Then they, that being the children of Israel, they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Eden, Eden because the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. And anyone, when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. And whenever someone was bitten... And he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this simple message tonight, it's my prayer that you'll speak to the deep recesses of our lives and our hearts. And that you'll change that part of us that needs to be changed. I pray that you will open our eyes, that we can see you in your way, and your will, in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A message entitled, Where Are You Looking? And I'll ask you. You look on the good, you look on the bad. Let's just talk about the story and then see how we can make some application to this. The first thing that I would bring to your mind is probably the the mindset of Moses as we get to the 21st chapter. If you look back in chapter 20, you know what you find out? You find that Moses has now lost to death his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron. He's just buried his siblings. Then he comes, and as chapter 21 opens, they come up against an incredible force. And Moses and the children of Israel goes before God and they make a vow and God gives success. And so now they continue their journey with Moses as their leader. And I want you to see this. If you ask me, and I know you're tired of hearing this, I'm probably tired of saying it, and I'll stop saying it when it stops being true. But it seems to me that the children of Israel think like a bunch of Baptists because God's original intent had been for the children of Israel to leave Egypt, take a three-week trip, and come to Kadesh Barnea, make a decision to go into the Promised Land and be done with it. And be done with it. But they wouldn't do that. They came to the place of decision and they wilted dead away. God may have said we can, but we're telling you we can't. And so now, because of that, that three-week journey turned into a 40-year journey to where they wandered in the woods for 40 years... They buried 90 people a day, seven days a week, for 40 years. Now the trip is hard. Three weeks was no deal. Now 40 years is a big deal. Everybody over 20 is going to die. And watch this. They went by the way of Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea, to bypass the land of Edom because the people, watch this, became impatient with the journey. They became impatient because of the journey that they had chosen. Do you hear? Do you see that? God didn't want them there. They took a vote. The majority said go this way. And they went this way. God said go that way. And now they have a hard journey and they become impatient. Now does that sound like Baptist to you? It does to me. We can't laugh about things like that because it strikes too close to home. Had a man to tell me one time, you know what? You know who runs this church? The people run this church. We can vote and we can do whatever we want to. And you're exactly right. But just like the children of Israel, a church can vote God right out the back door. And I fear too many times. They came impatient because of the journey. And then what did they do? Watch this, folks. When you get frustrated, when you get impatient, you know what happens? Loose lips. You start running your mouth. Hello? When you get frustrated, man, I'm I'm in this place. I don't want to be in this place. I wanted something better. Well, you know what? God offered you something better, but you made a choice to go this way. And now you're impatient because of this journey, and they begin to run their mouth. And who do they run their mouth about? (laughs) Their leader and their God. Their God-appointed and anointed leader and their God. Now, we could kind of plant some roots there. If I was the vindictive kind, we could plant some roots there and talk about talking about your leader. But we'll just let that go. You can just let that sink in at your house. It's a dangerous thing to talk about your God-appointed leader and certainly about your God. It is. The Bible says in Chronicles, Psalms, do not touch my anointed one. And if he's not going to touch the anointed one, you best not touch God. And they talked against God and against Moses. So what did God do? I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. God sent snakes. Snakes. There's a lot of things we should notice about this because it kind of blows our image of God to pieces. God didn't just allow the snakes to come. God didn't just suggest the snakes to come and God didn't remove himself and allow Satan to send the snakes. You need to get on you need to get a handle on this. When they were that disobedient to God, God sent the snakes. And they weren't the green snakes or the corn snakes. These were snakes that had fangs and venom and people were getting bitten and they were dying. Now, if you were in that situation where you were in a camp, a building, a house or anywhere else where there are snakes in the beds, snakes in the tents, snakes in the, on the road, poisonous snakes. Where would you look? Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to suggest to you three places, and you'll see how progressive they are. The first place that these folks looked is what I call it, the problem. They looked at the problem. Now, I can't blame them for this, Because if I was walking at a camp and and there were snakes and people getting bit by snakes, you know where I'd look first? I'd watch my step. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do we have anybody here that has a love affair with snakes? Any snake handling Baptist? There's a church right down the road. It's kind of like when Moses, and I, I, I preached this message a number of years ago. It's kind of like when Moses... Was running from the uh, a snake at the burning bush. And God said, Moses, come pick it up by the tail. And I'm th- I'm gonna tell you, I don't believe. I heard Jack Taylor say this, and I can see that picture. I don't believe God. I don't believe Moses stopped nearly as fast as he started. Kind of slowed down to a trot, a run and walk, a walk. And I can see Moses turn around and say, God, would you say that again? I want you to pick it up by the tail. And you see, Moses came back and he said, God, if I pick that snake up by the tail, that leaves the business end free. You see, people who know snakes know you don't want to let that business end go. We get focused on the problem. They got focused on the problem and they lost sight of the big picture. Too many times we as believers get focused on the problems that surround us. And when we get focused on problems, we see nothing else. You want to find a problem? You can find it. You want to focus on the problem? Your focus will be there. You know, I, I never finished the story about the man and his, and his wife. Is that when that marriage, as he continued to pray for that, those ten items, his whole heart changed because now that counselor had lifted the focus, the magnifying glass of inspection, off of the negative, And put it on the positive. I fear what's killing the Baptist church today. I read a statistic the other day that said by 2030, 50% of Southern Baptist churches will be gone. Did you hear that? 50% of Southern Baptist churches will be gone. And for too many, it's I'd rather die than change. What a sad commentary. What a sad commentary. We get focused on the problems. Right here in this community, not too distant past, I had somebody tell me, say, You know, why would I want to go to that church? All I ever heard from that church is they're fighting, fussing, roast preacher. You know the truth is folks, people watch us. When we get focused on problems, we don't do we don't do our church, we don't do the gospel, we don't do our leadership, we don't do anybody justice. We just run around with our, with our focus on the snakes. Now, I can take that a step further to tell you that when you focus on snakes, you're going to live like a snake. Are you focusing on the problems? When they realized that they were not going to recover, focusing on the problems. You know the second place they went to? They focused what I'm going to call on the preacher. Now, I want to just tell you, I use preacher because it starts with a P. But it was Moses. It was God's leader. When, that, when they got into trouble and they felt like they could not get out of it, the very one that they criticized, they went and got him to bail them out. Hello? Isn't that the way it is? We decide we, decide we need rescuing. And we... And we criticize the chairman of the deacons. Or we criticize our Sunday school leader. And the first place that we go to, one of those two guys to help us. Is it just me? I know I'm wired differently. I know people don't think like I do. But as I read this, wasn't that a little bit hypocritical to criticize Moses and then go ask Moses to intercede for them. A little bit hypocritical. Look at the problem. We look at the preacher, and we think, we think our leaders, we think those folks we look up to have all the answers. Did you hear what Steve Ferrar said this morning? Never put your eyes on men, because they will disappoint. I know I'm about to shock you, I know I'm about to shock you, but just hold on, okay? Your pastor is not perfect. Can you kind of sense the Surprise there, brother Terry. Your pastor is not perfect. You know what? He's going to make mistakes. You're going to think he should wave his head, his 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 head off to to acknowledge you, and he's going to have his head someplace else, thinking about something. And you're going to go, that preacher's kind of stuck up. No, he's not. Let me tell you something. I can walk past you in a store, and you'll be working on that. Ladies, you'll be working on that grocery list, and you'll never see me. Wonder where your focus is. Is saving that 15 cents. Point being. Is that what judgment we're judged with? We can judge with how we are judged. How we judge other people is the same way we can be judged, and it's not any fun. I said it last week, and I'll say it until I may not say it until. I'd like to think that if I said it enough, we'd hang. We would. Uh, uh, we'd catch a halt and catch on to the damage done. You think you know something, and it's going to be hurtful? Keep your mouth closed. Now, this is a little personal. There's been a lot of loose talk about me. You know what? I'm really tired of it. I can't do a whole lot about it. People want to talk? Have at it. But I'm going to tell you what. You dishonor God when you do it. You harm this church when you do it. You harm the how people perceive the gospel Jesus. Nothing good comes from it. And before God, I beg you to shut up. And you say, Brother Jerry, I hadn't said a word. Well, then don't put on that shoe. I'm not talking to you. Not just me. If you're talking about your fellow, somebody sitting over here, is talking about somebody over here, I beg you. Put brakes on it. We're trying to do a work for the Lord. And we take one step forward and two steps back because we're looking at our leaders, we're looking at our people, we're looking at our problems. We're looking at all the wrong places, and God is not honored. Look at what the uh, when they came to the preacher, they said, "We've sinned against, but we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you." So intercede with the Lord so that he will take away the snakes from us. And like a great leader, Moses interceded. As far as I'm concerned, Moses is a saint. Have you ever thought about the temptations of Moses? Just one time when God says, I'm going to clear, get out of the way, I'm going to kill him. Just one time, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Moses said, okay, God. Give me five minutes, I'm gone. They're yours. But he never did that. He always interceded. So wait a minute, God. Do you know, what, you know what shame it'll cause on your name if you get rid of your people? Moses interceded, and God, like he always does, put a plan in motion. He put a plan in motion. And he said, Moses, I want you to put a, get a, bronze, a bronze snake and put, you, put it on a stick. Now, if you don't recognize that symbol, even till today, that's the medical symbol. We don't see it much anymore. But I remember my younger days, we'd see it all the time, which means healing. Taken right from Numbers 21. But here's what I'll tell you about the plan. God said, you have to look. And you have to look after you're bitten. God has a plan, had a plan for these folks. They were now struck by the snake, that venom flowing through their veins. Yes, sir? (laughs) Venom flowing through their veins. Going to die. You know what it reminds me of? Here's what it reminds me of. Did you ever see the movie A Thief in the Night? Anybody? Anybody? Three or four of us, A Thief in the Night? It was about the second coming. And about the rapture. And it shows the story of a one guy who didn't know the Lord. And he was working in an exotic animal zoo. He was working in the snake area. And somehow when they had fed the cobra and had pushed the door back, they didn't secure it. And he was sitting here working, putting another shelf together, and he kept back reaching for his uh, screws and wasn't looking. That cobra slipped out and it's a very striking end of the first reel. Remember those big old reels that we used to have to put on uh, uh, on uh, moving projectors? And as he put his hand down to get that last screw, the cobra struck him on the hand. And uh, it showed him putting him in an ambulance. Part two and you guys don't know anything about this part two when they put the new, when you put the new reel on, picked up with him in the hospital. And they were trying to save his life from this cobra bite. And they had contacted a man who had a snake farm who had been bitten several times by a cobra, had built up immunity. And they flew him to the hospital, this uh, snake farmer, and they took blood from him, and they transfused blood into the guy who had been bitten by the cobra. And the guy's life was saved. Next scene: the preacher sitting in the home of this guy whose life was saved, and the guy said, "You know what?" said, "I just don't believe I can trust Christ." And the preacher said, "This said, what chance did you have to survive without that transfusion?" He said, "Very little." And the preacher said, "No, you had none at all." And the boy said, "You're right." said, "But you know what the truth is?" His blood had the cure. His blood fixed me. And the preacher almost jumped off the couch and said, You're right. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. You know what the truth is, folks? God's still got a plan today. He's got a plan for every person here. He had a plan for them. Man, when you get bit, when you get that... Venom flowing in your veins? Just have them look at the snake. You know what the truth is? We sit here, and from birth, we have that venom of sin flowing in our veins. And you know what he tells us to do? Look to the one lifted up on Calvary's cross. Where are you looking today for the answers of your life? Do you get fixated on your problems? Do you look at other people? Or do you look at the plan God gave you? You'll only find the answers. We will only find the answers if we keep our eyes focused on the plan. Bow your heads, if you will, please. We're not even going to sing tonight. I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of process this thought. Think about the type of person you are. Do you look at the problems? Do you focus on them? After you've focused on the problems, do you find you a person to blame it on? Find a a person who you want to bail you out? And then where does Jesus fall in there? When do you look at him? Heavenly Father, it's my prayer tonight that as you've spoken to our hearts about where we look and how we respond, I pray that you'll do a work in our lives that we will consistently have hearts of joy because we keep looking upward at you. Help us focus on you. Help us look at the one who came to give us life. And may we find that life and have a joy-filled life because you've told us that joy is a natural part of, of knowing you. As we depart these buildings in just a few minutes, I pray that you will go with us this week. I pray you will go with us to our jobs to our vacations, to wherever we go, I pray that you'll go and that we'll recognize you're there with us. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you for coming tonight. Let me just give you just a couple of thoughts. First,